So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael and we're here tonight for another exciting episode of Detention Live. Joining me as always is my co-host Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello everyone. Hopefully we got a few people watching. I got some new toys I've been playing with, so hopefully it looks kind of cool. I got a chalkboard thing going on. It's going to be great. Uh, And to kick off this brand new era of detention, we have a wonderful guest joining us tonight. ML, say hello to everyone. Hello, hello. Nice to see and great to be seen. I'm really, truly excited to get to talk to you tonight. We were supposed to do this once before, and then something happened. I think actually you had an issue that you weren't able to do it, then Chris and I canceled anyways because we're old men and we like to go to bed early. Uh, So this has been a while coming. We had the opportunity, all three of us, to play in a game month or so ago now, you uh, joined in for one of the Action 12 Cinema playtests that I did uh, on stream. And I thought you did a wonderful job. And I was like, I've got to get this person on my channel because I thought you just did a great job. Well, thanks very much. And I, I absolutely loved playing the game. It it was a, a ball and it was great to meet both of you. And I'm, I'm really happy to see you both again. All right. Fantastic. So uh, we're going to kick things off as we always do with extracurricular. Now, see, if those people watching at home, you're about to see some magic. Yeah. If you were paying attention, I just changed the overlay. So extracurricular is highlighted and everything else is a little bit shaded because that's the segment we're in. Nice. So we're going to kick off things with extracurricular. And this is where we just talk about things that we've been up to, things we want to share, TV shows we're watching, movies we've been watching, books, music, whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm actually going to start with you, ML, because I kind of, I was so excited to show off this new overlay that I forgot to give you. Generally, I just let people introduce themselves a little bit because we know who you are, but maybe someone watching doesn't. So we're going to go backwards in time. Tell us a little bit about yourself. That's fine. My name's ML Earhart. I am a, I, I call myself a performer uh, from now the, uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, I have been a stage actor for my entire life. I've been uh, recently a voice actor in both the audio drama, The Lafrisia Chronicles, which is in its second season, and in what was formerly called Once Upon a Monster of the Week, but now is called Welcome to Reddington, which was the Audioverse Award winner for Best New Improvised Show. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Uh, that, I am, that I am very, very proud of. Uh, everybody over there is doing really incredible work. But yeah, uh, I've been involved in almost every aspect of all kinds of performance for my entire life. I, I spent a little while as a professional wrestler. Oh, wow. Uh, I've, wow. I've worked a little bit in uh, television production and sports broadcasting. I did some, some radio stuff. I really just like uh, being in front of people and getting to express myself in that way. And the, uh, the stuff that I have been, uh, been into lately... Uh, in terms of games, there's really only one thing I'm playing right now, and it's Magic the Gathering Arena. Oh, okay. Uh, we just had a uh, we just had a new set come out for Martian Machine. It's really fun to draft. It's uh, a, a really great set, and if you are interested in getting into Arena, now is a really great time because all the free packs that you're getting are from that. Uh, so if you're somebody who likes flavor coding their decks and things, there's lots of fun dinosaurs, uh, angels, vampires, werewolves, all the, all the coolest stuff from all across all of magic is, uh, is here in this one. And that's what I've been spending a lot of my time doing in terms of what else I'm pulling in, uh, right now I am trying to find a short play for, uh, 
the Silver Spring stage. Every year they have a one-act play festival that has been put on hold uh, because of the pandemic. So this will be the first time they're back in about three years. Mm, nice. uh, so right now I am I'm going through collections of short plays and things like that by Patrick Marber, some things by Tracy Letts, and the the big weird one that I'm reading right now is, is a book called The Goblin Universe by a man called Ted Holliday, which is a uh, a a book about paranormal theory. Uh, essentially, the idea behind or the thesis behind it is that uh, all paranormal things that people experience, whether they be ghosts or cryptids or UFOs, uh, what you are seeing is, as a matter of fact, the same phenomenon, mm. and it is the the quote unquote goblin uh, entering into our world and wearing these different masks. That it is a it's a a process that is a circuit completed by the human brain. So the things that you if you experience some weird paranormal thing it is very unlikely that someone else is going to experience that um and and even more unlikely that you're going to be able to prove anything concretely but uh as as people are so fond of saying someone is seeing something okay <laughs> so, so that's most of the stuff that i've been into i haven't been watching very much uh especially not things that are new I, again, it sounds like you got enough uh, hobbies and activities to keep your time. And TV kind of rots your brain. I watch too much of it, it is, but I do enjoy it. Um, so I'll go next just because I wanted to touch on the, the Magic the Gathering Arena thing. Uh, I literally, within the last week, stopped playing. I've been playing Arena, I would say, about a year and a half. And I had hit the daily challenges, the weekly challenges, pretty much without fail for almost like maybe maybe 10 times in a year and a half did I not do either daily or get the weekly by the time it was over. And then just all of a sudden, like, I'm done. I just cold turkey quit. I, I deleted the <laughs> app off my phone, off my iPad and off my computers. And I really liked it, but I primarily enjoyed playing the computer. I don't really like playing random people. I, it's, I don't like the truly competitive nature where it's like, I'm actually trying to beat someone. I like building mm -hmm. the most complicated, unwieldy decks in the world and then just playing against Sparky and like I'll, I, the other day I, had, I did like 4 billion points of damage to win the game. Like I find that fun, but it was just, it was taking up too much time. I've, I've, I have found that I've, I'm running out of time and that was just something I could easily cut out. I probably will go back at some point in time, but I just wanted to like cold turkey wean myself from it. Uh, and then I don't know, the, the, uh, isn't the Lord of the Rings set supposed to come out fairly soon? I don't know if that's going to be on arena or not. Okay. Um, because there are some things that that stay only in paper. Okay. Uh, the thing that I like about arena the most is that I don't have to spend any money. Yes. I, uh, I have spent a because, few bucks here and there, but I don't spend like I used to spend a lot. I, Magic is kind of an addiction thing for me. Like I started in college, like that was when revised hit. And I, I mean, I went into credit card debt buying cards, but uh, it was, I can't actually, go back to paper cards. Oh yeah. It's me. Like I, we, I actually, when the D and D set is what got me back into it. Cause I did buy some physical cards cause I thought that was super cool. And I really liked the mechanics, like the dungeon delving. I built a bunch of decks around that. 
So the arena was the way for me to explore that without going into credit card debt. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I've been pretty much playing since then. So that's really when I started. I think that's about a year and a half ago, roughly. Uh, but yeah. But again, I really love it. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I enjoyed it. It was just, a, it was a time sink that I couldn't afford anymore because of other things that got going on. Specifically, my banner, Action 12 Cinema, the game that we played together as we met, uh, the Kickstarter successfully funded. Uh, it's going to be a real thing. And my, my, timetable is to be done with the my, with my writing at the end of this month. So I got roughly 11 days to go. I think it's really close to being done. Like I'm really happy with it. Um, I've got an editor lined up. I have the layout person lined up. I actually, it wasn't part of the original plan, but I actually hired a different graphic design person to help me with the character sheet to make those all pretty. And uh, it's coming together and it's super exciting, but I'm trying to dedicate enough time to it because it's this may be the only game I ever write, maybe the only book I ever write. I want it to be as good as I can get it. I have let go of perfection because I knew that wasn't going to happen, but I also don't want it to release and then be like, oh man, if I had two more debt, you know? So that was one of the reasons why I cut out magic is like, that. that's something if I have 20 minutes extra a day, that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, and then I will say that I am going to uh, a convention this weekend, Lexicon in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm taking my youngest with me. It'll be the second time he and I have gone to a convention together. His older brother was supposed to go with us too. Weird timing. His school play is this weekend. I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, so he's not going to get to go to the convention. Uh, but I will definitely, I think they're both coming to a catacomb this year. I just found out I'm going to be going to Origins this year for the first time in several years. There's like a family vacation that usually overlaps. But we're not going on that vacation because we're going on a different one later. So I'm going to Origins for a couple days. Uh, Gen Con, I got my press badge. So I'm super excited for that. And then I won't spoil it for Chris because he mentioned before we started recording, he hasn't watched it. I did finish uh, the Mandalorian episode, the season three finale was today. I have watched it and I will say I enjoyed it. So that is more than enough for me. So Chris, what have you been up to <laughs> lately, buddy? I started playing a, a game called Path of Exile. It's free on Steam. Uh, it's basically Diablo. Okay. But a whole lot more complicated if you want to get into their whole crafting and skill set and the stuff I'm not doing. Mm -hmm. I just click a button and watch things die on the screen. That's pretty much all I'm doing and watching my ranger level up. I'm not going to get into too much of the other stuff, but it's fun. It's something to kill some time with. Other than that, a lot of work. Um, I, I am excited because I heard about the new Dragonlance rumors. I hear that Joe Magnell. I can never say his name right. Joey Joe. Yeah, yeah. He'll call me and yell at me later, I'm yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm hopeful that he's going to do it right and get get that knocked out of the park. Uh, I'm a little nervous because they said that the only the first three books they wrote are what they're calling canon. And I'm like, but you have so much other lore that you could pull from, but I'm not the guys in charge of that. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it, though. Um did we talk about the D&D movie? Because I know I saw it and you saw it. I don't remember if we talked about it on here. I don't remember if we did or not. It's been so long. Um, yeah. I loved I it. See it. That was great. Very pleasantly surprised. I went in there a little... I don't know, Hesitant? We call it skeptical, skeptical hippo eyes, as one of my friends used to say. And walked out, went, that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. they, they hit all the right moments. They had enough plot. They had enough jokes that it wasn't too, too over the top. And... Enough Easter eggs that I laughed. And with, with D&D &D movies, it's 
usually best to keep the the bar that you want it to clear as close to the floor as possible <laughs> yes for sure yes for sure uh, i can but easily I say under, this was i understand the, it this one's a real banger this was the best DD movie ever i i will i will plant my flag in that ground best one yep. ever yep. yeah so I, far like i said i was very pleasantly surprised there was enough plot to it and the characters had depth they weren't just your stereotypic I'm the bard that wants to sleep with everybody. Like he actually had a backstory and they developed that and stuff. So I was very pleasantly surprised by that. Um, other than that, I've just been hanging out with the wife when we get a chance, getting ready for the kid to get back from his first year in college. So I can hear all about his adventures, which are probably pretty much him going, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's about as excited as he gets about stuff like that. So very cool. But, all right, well, thank you both uh, for sharing. Uh, we do have a couple people watching. Uh, Skip has jumped in to say hi. Look, there's a couple other hey, people Skip. who might be uh, hanging out, lurking. Lurkings are all uh, lurkers are always welcome, uh, but we do like it when people chat because it keeps, I think, the show a bit lively. Uh, but with that, we're going to move into our second segment tonight. So I'm going to flip this button. Look at that! Now the ten things thing is highlighted. It's amazing. Hey. Uh, so ten things is our first. Uh, improv game. This is the 10 things game. Basically, we're going to take turns prompting each other in turn to try to create a list of 10 things that match the prompt. Uh, The idea of the game is that immediacy is more important than accuracy. So a list that you create quickly is better in terms of the game than a list that actually makes sense. Uh, ML, you are the guest tonight. So you get to choose, would you like to go first in terms of giving Chris or I a prompt, or would you like to go first in terms of receiving a prompt? Oh, I, I believe that I'll receive and make my list first. All right. So I will go because I have an idea here because we both played Magic the Gathering. Uh, so give me your top 10 made up, so not real, Magic the Gathering mechanics or mechanisms. Top 10 uh, made up mechanisms? Yep. So like poison or trample. I don't know if the right terminology, those sorts of things. Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, so the first one is going to be wet. Just wet. makes things wet. <laughs> one. Uh, the second one, hot. Don't want your cars to get too hot. Two. Uh, third one is going to be uh, sleepy. Uh, I think that we should be able to make creatures sleepy. Yes, and especially Three. after they have been hot and wet. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that could cause sleepiness. <laughs> I, I agree. Sure. Uh, number one, number four, uh, I'm going to add uh, hunger tokens. I think that you should be able to do more damage if your creatures are hungry. <laughs> yep. Um, Fair. Four. Number five, I am going to say uh, everybody loves flying, but nobody has swimming. Mm. Okay. All right. Five. five. I guess island walk kind of counts as swimming, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got snow covered lands, but what about fire covered lands? <laughs> How about that? Nice. Six. Everybody loves uh, cats. The The internet loves Ooh. cats. Uh, there are tons of cat cards in uh, Magic the Gathering. Um, I hate playing against them, so why not fleas? <laughs> Seven. Seven. Uh, number eight. Uh, ennui. I think I should be able to give another person's planeswalker ennui and make them uh, uh, unable to uh, to get off that ultimate and take three GD turns. <laughs> eight, eight. Uh, number nine. Uh, let's go with um, 
so we have trample, which is, you know, you you force through damage and it it gets beyond whatever blockers you have. Uh, what about ruffle, where if you block it, it doesn't destroy the creature or anything like that. It just like tussles its hair mm. and makes the card art look different. Nine. And uh, last and certainly least of all, um, I, I believe that there should be a uh, a work of distance, especially in uh, paper cards. So you should have to uh, get out rulers and things like we're playing Warhammer 40k. Ten. That was in fact a list of ten things. Thank you so very much. You did. You actually. Those all sound. Pretty good, actually. All right. So to keep the process going, MLU will prompt Chris. All right, Chris. Uh, let's hear 10 meals where if you got food poisoning, you wouldn't be that mad. Ooh. 10 meals of food poisoning. You wouldn't be all that mad. I got to keep it clean. Uh, bourbon. One. Which I think probably actually really happened. Uh, uh, let's see. 10 meals. Uh, ice cream. Two. Ooh, uh, steak. Three. Ooh, uh, let's go with uh, hibachi. Four. We'll go with uh, pudding. Five. Uh, go with rice. Six. I feel like that would just go through quick. It would absorb um, itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll go with seafood. Seven, because you seafood. Yep, you got the joke. These are the jokes, folks. <laughs> uh, we'll go with uh, fine wine. Eight. We'll go with uh, candy. Nine. And for the last one, let's see what would be a good food. You didn't mind getting food poisoning over uh, peppermint. Ten. So, that was, in fact, a list yay. of ten things. Ooh, All right. It's harder than I thought it was going to be. That's what she said. <laughs> All right, Michael. Mm -hmm. um, let's see here. Uh, let's stick with the magic theme. Uh, ten cards you wish they made. Oh my god, my brain! Um, <laughs> literally, my brain just froze. Uh, me as a card, that would be great. One. The D twelve, the best die polyhedral. Um, Two. Reverse damage dealing cards. Um, Three. Ultimate healing cards. Four. Cards that let you take other people's cards and use against them. Five. Uh, cards that let you. Pull cards from the future and use against them. Six Uno cards, oh, double seven. reverse. Yeah. Uh, anti gravity cards, eight. Uh, extra gravity cards, Ooh, nine. And uh, cards against humanity style. Fill in your own blank cards. Ten. Yay! Yay! That was in fact a list of ten things. Man, that magic one threw me for a loop. Okay. So with that, we're going to move into uh, used books, which is now highlighted in yellow, uh, which is normally kind of the meat and potatoes of the show. It's generally the part that lasts the longest. And the idea here is that one of us, and Mel in this case, is going to talk about a campaign that they ran or played in. Uh, we're looking for lessons learned, things that maybe we tried that worked great and it's, it's helped us throughout every other game since then. Or maybe we tried something experimental and it failed miserably and we've decided not to do that again. Uh, so ML, you are the guest. What campaign would you like to talk about tonight? So the the campaign that I would like to discuss is uh, not so much a uh, a an extant uh, game that people can pick up and play, but uh, when I was in my twenties, uh, 
I had a friend who wrote a lot of games. We played a lot, a lot of homebrew stuff. Mm -hmm. um, nice. And there is one campaign in particular that I have never been able to stop thinking about, mostly because it uh, it it ended early with with no resolve to mm -hmm. anything. We were we were right never there done that before at our <laughs> at our at our final uh, at our final confrontation, and then we just. We just couldn't get it all together again for all sorts of various reasons. And they had created something within this that I think can be uh, parsed out to all kinds of other games. Uh, but the main conceit of all of this was when you create your character, you can, you know, have a certain amount of physical attributes and things like that that are just you, but you are just a person who exists in this world. You are, you're not a, a wizard. So you can take all of these wizard spells and think you are not a knight. So you don't gain all of these, you know, automatic martial prowess things every time you level up and stuff like that. What happened instead was you met NPCs in the game and you would use your skill points to be taught professions and abilities by these NPCs. Okay. Um, and it's something that has, has really stuck with me and I've, I've sort of played around a little bit with figuring out how to do it inside of, uh, existing systems. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's something that's really, that really just sort of, uh, set my brain alight. And I thought that it was one of the, the smarter ideas that a, a home brewer had, had ever brought to the table before. So the, the first thing that makes make that came to my mind is I, I know there are some rules, um, in like D and D for like training. And I remember back in like my old, like second edition advanced, uh, rules, which I'm probably misremembering. Um, there was some elements of that that were, I think, optional, and my experience with those, was they, they never worked well and, and probably differently than what you were doing with your friend. Cause it sounds like you really enjoyed those. Uh, but for me is it, it was either like an, just an extra thing that you had to do in addition, maybe cause the D and D may not be the right system for that type of uh, a rule addition, but it's like, okay, I want to be a better thief. I got to go find someone who's a better thief than I am. And I got to pay them money and they will teach me to be a thief, which will make my thievery better. Or I think Druid was one of the ones like you had to find another Druid and like kill them. Like that was the only way to advance as a Druid was to, like move up the ladder. Uh, so I, I've not done it in a way that worked well for me, but again, d and is my only experience with that. Chris, have you had any experience with either D&D or any other system that uses training as, and I'm probably not a great connection. I'm saying that that is exactly that, but similar to that. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the old school first edition D&D had that with the guilds. Mm -hmm. So if you level up, you had to go find a guild that would help you level up and finish your skills, which always met you went out in the dungeon leveled up came back to town went back to the dungeon came back this is weird back and forth thing um but similar to what ml was saying you know when i was younger we homebrewed our own stuff when i was in high school we were trying to write our own system it was as all percentile do. based yeah as it you was do. super complicated as you do um, yeah but it was a similar concept was with that you earned um we call it skill points and then you could use those skill points to either buy something new or increase current ones. And like you were saying, ML, we had to do it in game. So if I wanted to learn to be a 
a butcher, for example, I had to go find a butcher that would train you. And then you had to spend your points to get those type of skills. So it, it was fun, but you know, we made it way more complicated than we had to, because it right. should have just been as easy as, Hey, you spend a week here and you learn how to, you know, now you know how to butcher a pig. Mm-hmm. No, we made it way more than that. You know, the butcher would send you on a quest to go kill animals to bring back, which you would then learn how to butcher them. It was, you know, that that's kind of a bad example, but yeah. It was similar. I kind of liked it because it gave you more options for your character and your character could grow in different directions. You know, our, our system didn't have levels. You just got points that you could spend Mm -hmm. to build your character. So, yeah, Yeah, that was, that was kind of the thing that I enjoyed about it was, uh, I ended up making choices with my character about things to learn and stuff like that based off of no preconceived notion whatsoever. Uh, I, I had a, a, uh, a guy that I was, I was pretty sure I was going to try and do some, some roguery with, uh, mm-hmm. I had wanted to do a more stealth based character and things like that. And just through the people that we met in the world and the story that we were telling and what became, you know, prescient need and things like that he he ended up being a a badass monster hunter and things like that instead of a a stinky stealth guy he was completely different than than anything that i had had ever conceived of it being Mm -hmm. and so many of our our other players you know we we had people who came in thinking that they're going to be playing one specific kind of like everybody kind of shuffled like a seat to the right. The, okay. the person who was most interested in being like a, a burly barbarian fighter uh, ended up being a, a deeply devout and powerful druidess. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who, who wanted to uh, spend all of their time in melee combat ended up learning all sorts of different spells from all sorts of different weirdos. Uh, and I think that the thing that I like about it the most is that it it doesn't lock stuff off from you mm-hmm. uh, and also makes things a little bit more uh, makes things feel more special. Like when when somebody got knighted in that game, it was a really big deal because mm-hmm. you had to not only meet a knight, you had to do something that sufficiently impressed that knight in in martial combat. And maybe that wasn't going to happen that game. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think my biggest, biggest disconnect, because I do, I like that in theory, and it just sounds like the game that you were playing that your your friend wrote, it wasn't an added, added on, like it wasn't tacked on. It was like fundamentally baked into that experience. Yeah. And again, I love d and It is still my favorite role-playing game, though I know there are other games that do certain things, elements better. But when I think about D&D, when I, the times that we tried to use training, is it always felt almost like a penalty? It's like, I've already done all the things I needed to do to level up, but now this DM is arbitrarily saying, well, you can't, even though you technically have the experience points, whatever, you can't level up until you do this. It became a side quest, and it sort of became like a barrier to the more fun rather than instrumental to my fun. I think that could have been, you know, again, I was younger. I was terrible. Like the, the games we played back then, I would not want to play now. It was, you know, going to the dungeon kill stuff. So maybe now it would be something that I would enjoy doing. I just, maybe it wasn't in the right mindset, but I do like the concept of that sort of experience where 
you know, I'm sure the DM still or the game master had thoughts about it because they decided who you ran into. You know, even if you right. said, I'm going to go find a knight, they decided which one you found type of a thing. Uh, so it was probably maybe more curated than it felt. And it may have felt much more like, not random, but like coincidental. Like I said, like today was the day we met the knight, but there wasn't anybody to fight. So I didn't get to show off my martial prowess in front of this person. Like that probably felt very organic and real, even though it was still a curated experience by your DM. I don't I don't have a great example, but it's got my neurons firing like, well, how would I do that now? How would I feel about that now? And I do like that as a concept. I understand what you mean about like stapling it on to an existing system. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit like a hat on a hat mm -hmm. sort of situation. Um, and I can definitely see where having that kind of thing baked into it uh, already from like the word go is is probably the best way to do something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it just I think about it all the time because of specifically because of some of the things that frustrated me about playing Dungeons and Dragons when I eventually got to it. The the idea that like based on your starting meta type selection you are just barred from doing certain things mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. if you want to play a half work you will not be using magic that won't be happening if you if you want to play an elf chances are you are not going to be a barbarian or something like that right that uh the instead the idea that anyone here can do anything you just have to learn how to do it mm -hmm. Uh, was was something that was really powerful and has really really stuck with me all these years. Uh, it's it's one of the mechanical things that just absolutely uh, uh, drives my brain wild sometimes when I think about it. So I I played in a game in I think I was in college. I don't know. It was around that time. I think it was RuneQuest, but I won't swear to that um, because I've not played a lot of RuneQuest. But I, I remember in this system that. It, it was similar that you could do whatever you wanted to do. And then uh, you had like, like the, the character sheet had all these things that were elements on it, like, like shooting your bow, casting a magic spell, whatever. And you could do any of the things that you wanted to do, but you sucked at them to start with. But so like every time you hit with your bow, you put a little tick mark next to your like archery. And every time you cast a spell that was successful, you put a little tick mark next to, to that spell or to that over, overarching like, skill category type of thing. And at the end of the night for every tick mark, you would roll, I think it was a D6, D100, there was, there was some roll per tick mark. And if you got a certain result, you could improve that skill. So over time, you were much more likely to get better at the things that you did more often, but you could still do whatever you wanted, but it was kind of baked in like, well, if you shoot your bow 12 times tonight, you're probably going to get better at archery. If you cast one spell, you might not. And again, I don't know if that was RuneQuest or not, but I think it was. But I did like that concept of you could do whatever you wanted, but you would sort of gravitate toward the things that you did more often. You would get better at them. So that it was like sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy that if I decide to shoot my bow a lot, I'm going to get better at it. So if I'm better at it, I'll do more of it. Um, but again, I don't remember if that was RuneQuest or not. Have either of you played RuneQuest? Does that sound right? Or did I make that up? No, no I, I've never played it. No clue. Okay. No well, you, look, I think, Chris, you were trying to say something. I kept jumping over you. So take no, your you're time good. here. You're good. But, uh, it just, to me, what I'm hearing kind of from, in a way from both of you is you like the freedom to let your character grow organically and not be forced to with the rules. Because like you said, Michael, you didn't want to be forced to go find somebody to train. But if you had the option to do it, you would. Mm. 
So it's kind of a the freedom to let the character grow how you want it to and not feel like you're you know you're forced into it. Like you were saying, ML, if you're a fighter, that's you're good at swinging a sword. You're probably not going to be good at casting a spell. But if you have the ability to learn how to do that, you'd want to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and just just the idea that like it makes every NPC in your world valuable because he mm -hmm. he was he was very meticulous with things and you could you could learn a a skill or a maneuver or a thing from pretty much everybody. Um, one of the one of the most powerful and broken abilities that anybody learned was just from some drunk guy sitting outside of a bar, who who taught them uh, his drunk fighting technique of throwing pocket sand in people's eyes. <laughs> and it ended up being one of the most yeah. powerful broken abilities in the entire game that we could have totally missed. We could have never yeah. found it. it it feels like, and, and I mean this in a good way, it feels like a RPG video game where you get rewarded for talking to everybody rather than it's, like, we're going to go bypass all the NPCs. We don't care about, oh, you lost your cat. Like, we're just going to go kill the monsters because that's where the treasure and then the experience is. But when you have those games like, well, no, I'm going to talk to everybody. In fact, I'm going to talk to everybody twice because sometimes... I, you may have unlocked something unwittingly, like, you know, because I did this, now my reputation scores one higher. If I go back and talk to everybody, maybe now they'll be more friendly to me. Like, it feels like that as in a tabletop setting. Yeah, it's it's Skyrim leveling now that you mention it. <laughs> that if you want to be good at a thing, you just have to do it. <laughs> right. So, I, yeah. And I, again, I'm just thinking back to the time in my life when I played the game where we tried that. Versus where I am now, because like I'm, I'm somewhat known now for playing characters that are broken in the fact that I, I, I build terrible characters on purpose because I'm not concerned about being good at fighting. Like I'm more interested in creating an interesting character and then hopefully surviving, and hopefully I don't make other people mad because I suck at fighting. Because D and D is a game where you're expected to be competent at fighting, and when you build a character that's actually not it can be a problem if you're in a type of game where the dm's like well this is what you're fighting you're supposed to be able to fight a level seven and you can't so now you're gonna die uh that's not the, my experience either as a, as a player so i think i would enjoy that more now than i did then i, I definitely want to try that whether it be a homebrew system or just a different system so i'll kind of make this one of our first call to actions for anyone listening now or in the future mm -hmm. Do, are you familiar with the game similar to this one that does that now that I, I don't have to track down ML's friend and say, Hey, give me your notes. Um, and also is RuneQuest what I remember? Like if anybody listening, if you know, <laughs> please let me know. Cause I am curious about that. Uh, anything else from you, Chris, on this whole idea? And you know, we kind of broaden the topic about just different ways mm -hmm. that different games allow you to advance non-class based leveling, anything you want to bring up. Sounds like your characters in D and D would be the greatest, you know, rat killers ever <laughs> stay in the city. But I think we we hit it all. I think, you know, having the freedom to choose how your character grows is what is appealing to all three of us. You know, I, I'm just like you are. I, I like playing a game with a character that has flaws and let it grow however it's going to. You know, I want to play the wizard that has a 13 intelligence and see what he can do. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, you're stuck at second level spells. Cool. How creative can I get with those spells? How many times can I use rope trick to, you know, trip somebody and the DM go, all right, we're done. Yeah. I'm tired of you tripping everything. <laughs> be like, well, give me more spells then. Say it in the yeah. eye. Say it in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Same concept. So I think that having that freedom to grow a character the way that it can and should is a, a valuable tool. And I think as a GM, it's a 
tough, can be a tough task for you to let that happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were talking about, talk to everybody in the city as a GM. I'd be like, all right, time out. We're done. Yeah. Like, you got 10 people you can talk to. I'm done making notes about, do you talk to, you know, Granny Smith, the cat lady? We're done. Like you've learned enough about stuff. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think there's a little of a balance there too. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I, I would be willing to bet if we could go back and talk to ML's friend, it was more planned than maybe it appeared. Because I would, I would think it have to be like I just at least me, I'm not competent enough to be able to just create NPCs on the fly and make them valuable in this specific way to the to the story and to the game. I would have had to have planned for that, uh, but maybe that's just my fallacy, you know, my my failures in the front here. Well, and there were there were some people who we met who you know, I mean, this person can he can teach you how to carry a barrel better than anybody else. If you <laughs> if you want to if you want to if you want to spend your skill points to do this, mm -hmm. you can you now have the ability to carry a barrel and it doesn't hurt your back. <laughs> I wish I had that because my back and, hurts and all the time. I, yeah, yeah, it sounds great for me. Yeah, but you know, obviously, there's there's stuff that's more valuable than other things. Right, so right. Maybe the 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 cat lady. Uh, has uh, uh, something that's not very, very interesting to somebody, you know, maybe Joe Schmo on the street is like, yeah, I've got a great right hook. And it's just like, he teaches you how to throw a punch. <laughs> right. You, yeah. you can now throw this guy's punch. <laughs> but it does feel, I mean, I, I think if you stick with it though, I can definitely see where at the end of a long campaign, if you were successful, if you play a game and you were able to get to the end, you're able to beat the main boss or whatever, the, you know, the conclusion to the story, you can definitely look back and go, this only worked because of the experiences we had along the way versus other games where it's like, well, it's a good thing we killed 7,000 goblins on the way here. That's why I had my plus 10 bonus. Uh, you know, they're similar, but they feel different. I don't know. Again, yeah. you've definitely got the neurons firing. I'm, I'm very curious now about how... How would I be able to implement that? Would it be successful? I'm, hmm. So you got me thinking. And Chris, Chris is a hundred percent correct because I can I can only imagine that it had to be way more fun to play than it was to plan and run. Mm -hmm. That writing those games must have must have been uh, just hours and hours and hours and hours to get ready for Sunday night and then to have us not talk to half the guys you made. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm like, the low prep king these days. I'm like, I prep almost nothing, but you couldn't, I don't think you could do that in that style of game. I think you would have to have prep done. So. Or it would be a slow paced game. Yeah, yeah very much. Or the village only has five people. Or Sorry, guys, I, yeah. got, I got IBS again. And then he goes to the bathroom and he's scribbling notes and then like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm good. Oh, you went left? Oh, damn it, IBS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we will call that there. Uh, but yeah, again, I've, I've definitely got me, got me thinking. So thank you for that. And as again, listening to the audience, if anybody has any thoughts, uh, opinions, we'd love to hear them. You can either comment directly on this episode when it's posted on our website, or you can tag us in Facebook and Twitter when we post it there. Uh, but with that, we're going to move on to our next improv game. Once again, our chalkboard change. And uh, this is where my <laughs> fingers have been. This is the improv game where we will once again prompt each other in turn to come up with a short scene where you basically finger puppet two people or more if you want to get froggy uh, in a particular scene. ML, once again, you are the guest. So would you like to go first in terms of prompting Chris or I or receiving a prompt? I can prompt somebody this time. All right. You can choose Chris or I, whoever you want. It'll just sort of start the, the circle going that we will continue. Uh, and then whoever you pick has to sing the song first. So who would you like to pick? 
Well, I did Chris last time, so let's go with you, Michael. All righty. So, of course, uh, just in case uh, New York Tater is listening now or in the future, we have to sing or he will, you know, he'll riot. So, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, your fingers are a uh, vaudeville performer and his ventriloquist dummy. The dummy is slowly becoming sentient <laughs> and trying not to let anybody know. So, once again, tell me there, Chester, how did you get here today? I was carried here in a trunk. It was dark, and then there was light. Uh, Chester, that's not the act. <laughs> you have no act. You you have your hand where I don't want it. Okay, Chester, <laughs> this is this is really funny. I uh, I think we should sing a song now. I am not your puppet. And he pulls his hand out. <laughs> yes, you are. Ah! And then he like stabs him. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay. (laughs) Happy one today. Oh, yeah, exactly. Starting (laughs) off strong. All right. So to keep the circle rolling, that means I will prompt Chris, and then Chris will prompt you. So, Chris. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are at the final match of a Magic the Gathering tournament when one of the players starts using cards with made-up Mechanics like hot and wet. All right. All right. Good luck, sir. Good luck to you. I'm not sure I need luck, but we'll see how it goes. All right. You go first. All right. I play. Uh, uh, I play my giant frost bear, and he has uh, hot wet fur. You take six damage. Wait, what? Hot wet fur. What? What? What is that? Oh, see, it's on the card. Read it. Here, all right, your turn, go. All right, I play a land. Your turn. All right, uh, now I play a uh, uh, talented thespian who has um, dry humor, and he confuses you with his magic puppet trick, and you take eight more points of damage. I... <sighs> Fine. Just, I, I, I don't think this is real. I'm done. You win. Bye. And that's where my fingers are back. Yay! <clears throat> All, All right. right. So you will then prompt ML. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? I like that. Yeah. Have to add that I'll have to clap. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you are uh, two people prepping uh, to go up for the same audition for the same role. <clears throat> I have of late, and wherefore I know not lost all of my mirth. Bless you. Where was I? I have of late, and wherefore I know not lost all of my... Bless you. I have of late, and wherefore I know not, lost all of my... (laughs) So are you unwell? I have no idea what you're talking about, and I resent the implications. (laughs) Is there a piece that you would like to practice for this? 
Uh, yeah, sure. I just need to stretch out a little bit. Uh, let me see here. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I have of late. And wherefore I know not. Lost all of my. How does the uh, how does the rest of that go? You've got to be <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> you don't even know the words to the speech that you're trying to do. Well, no, you you haven't finished it yet. I'm going to finish you. And then they fight. <laughs> Yay! And that's where your fingers and have been. And that's where my fingers have been. Yeah. So, see, this is the, the, the danger, Chris, of bringing someone who's actually talented at this because then ours looks so much worse in comparison. Next to each other, we're on the same level. But, ML, that was, that was amazing. And I, I feel like I hit too close to home. So <laughs> you've been there before type of experience. <laughs> Uh, I've I've been I've been in several rooms where I have discovered in the room that I am going to be doing the same speech as somebody else. And I can't tell you the glee that it fills me with. <laughs> really, it doesn't make because you I know I know that there's at least one person that uh, now I now I have a a target. Oh, uh, because sometimes in 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 an audition, it's. Uh, Sometimes you're coming in and you are doing things sort of sight unseen. You don't really have any idea what the kind of uh, script you're going to go for. You don't really know what a director is looking for from a particular thing because it's not a play that you're familiar with, or maybe it's one that's never been released before and they can't tell you anything about it because they don't want to spoil it for people. Uh, and, and that's a really great way to, to give myself a, I'm going to beat that guy. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ruin that guy's day by making sure that I'm so much better at this than, than that guy is. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So, He's the bar. I'm jumping over it. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I never had that with acting, but back in my college days when I was actually in good shape, I would do that at the gym. I, I, I can never run fast, but I could run for a very long time. And I would be that person if I was on the treadmill and you got on after me, I would stay on it until you got off. Like I, yeah, I just always, that's how I would play. I, I'm, I may not be the faster here, but I will run, run longer than you will. And that's how I, I motivated myself. But I've never tried the acting thing, but I can see how that would work similarly. Yeah. All right. So let's move on now to cryptozoology. Uh, and this is the part of the show where we're going to talk about a monster, usually from D&D, &D, but not always. Uh, we talk about maybe some ways we've used it in the past. We might brainstorm some interesting ways we could use it in the future. ML, you once again are the guest. So what creature did you bring for us to talk about tonight? I brought Dungeons and Dragons mushroom people, the Myconids. Look at that. And there's an image of them on the screen for those watching at home. I've been practicing this. Um, nice. So I will say that I have I don't have a lot of familiarity with these creatures. I know they've been around forever. I'm sure I've used them in the past at some point in time. But when you brought this up originally, the first thing, I was right in the middle of The, lo the Last of Us which is not mm -hmm. the same thing, but it's very much focused on like a fungus that kills everybody. So I was kind of interested in this. So, so if you don't mind, can you kind of share with us what it is about these creatures you particularly enjoy? If you want to go over any of the rules, I have them over here. If you're not familiar, I can like fifth edition version. So what is I, it? About I'm not, Michael's? I'm, I'm not incredibly familiar with, uh, with what they, what they do mechanically according to books and sure. things like that. Nope, no uh, I, I am very familiar with what I make them do <laughs> Okay, <laughs> because 
because I, as, as a person, am uh, am very obsessed with real life mushrooms. Okay. Uh, I think I think that fungi are some of the most fascinating life forms on the planet. Um, they are uh, at the same time small and temporary, and also staggeringly large and permanent. Uh, the largest organism on the planet is a 3,000 hectare uh, honey fungus uh, growth in uh, Blue Mountain, Oregon. And, you know, the only thing that you see of a, a fungus is its fruiting body, the thing that sticks up above the ground. But down below that is this entire network of information that not only do mushrooms use to communicate different things about their environment, like for example, this, this 3000 hectare thing, hundreds of miles apart from one another, it can make the decision to get rid of carbon in one place and transfer that carbon to another place to make mushrooms sprout there because the conditions are better for their spores to take and spread. Um, huh. Interesting. And and the the ways that other plants use this information, uh, we now know that trees, when they are dying, donate their carbon as they are are going through this mycelial network to other trees, and we know that they are able to favor trees that they have sired, so that their offspring then take their energy and can sort of move it on. Um. Which is, you know, a, a bunch of more long-winded stuff about uh, real-life mushrooms. But all of these things you can sort of use to make a, a really interesting monster. And one of the things that I like about myconids a lot is that they can both be a monster and they can both be a rather peaceful village for, for your village folk. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you can have a, a really weird underground <laughs> village game in a myconid village. Uh and you can also have really, truly terrifying enemies that are capable of nearly anything because they're 3,000-year-old, uh, unkillable, underground, you know, the thing you're fighting is not the thing. Right, right. <laughs> Your thing you're fighting is just like the, almost like a pseudopod. It's like the thing that above the surface that you can see. Yeah. So I, I am someone I've said before, I'm a, I'm a very boring vanilla person. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I've never done any illegal substance. Uh, but I've listened to a bunch of podcasts. People talk about stuff and, and the, the, uh, idea of mushrooms has come up, like people taking mushrooms as like a, you know, a, mm -hmm. as a, as a drug. And one of the people on one of the ones I talked, listened to recently talked about like why mushrooms do what they do. And I'm, I'm sure there's different varieties or whatever. And I'm talking completely out my butt. But the person was saying that when you take a mushroom, it it's trying to make you more like a mushroom. And that affects your brain chemistry. And it, it is trying to make you more connected to yourself and to other things because mushrooms are like this whole network. And that's one of the effects that you can get from taking a mushroom is that you feel like more at peace and part of the universe because you actually are temporarily more connected on like this molecular level. I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought it was a fascinating concept. It's, it's interesting that you bring that up. That's not on psilocybin mushrooms are not the only ones that do that. There are non-hallucinogenic mushrooms like uh, lion's mane and uh, cordyceps, which you yep. will probably remember from The Last of Us, Yes. Uh, that when you eat those 
mushrooms, they increase the neuroplasticity of your brain. You, you are able to, uh, to have uh, better memory. You're able to have more uh, uh, dopamine centers are more able to fire and they are able to fire more effectively and things like that. Hmm. Um, so it really creates a creature that you can do some weird stuff with. Right. Uh, you know, not only do you have, you know, if you if you want to make an, an army, it's it's sort of unlimited. There's there's always going to be more rotting material. More rotting material will always turn into more fruiting bodies and more fruiting bodies will, you know, get added to the the pile of things that they're being thrown at the party i mean and I know, you can also have things to really make your party trip balls <laughs> well yeah that does it too because yeah, looking at the fifth edition version at least there's there's four different types that are mentioned and basically they all have spore attacks and the spores do different things uh they can cause hallucinations they can call pass uh, pacifying uh, pacification i guess that's what yeah that's what i'm saying uh, but that seems to be the pretty much the the number one attack they have other than it's like punching you is like their spores can infect you and cause a change in your behavior or your attitude towards them. But yeah, The Last of Us definitely is probably the thing that I'm most interested in because not only do you have Mykonids then as a combat encounter, but they're basically an environmental encounter. They can be like an environmental challenge where it's not just yeah. I stab it with my sword. It's can I get across this place without causing ire of this organism because if it perceives me as a threat it can end me and i can't stab my way out of this it's just going to infect me like fungal spores in my in my lungs and you're dead now whether that's actually true or not but i do like that concept of, of changing it not only from a combat encounter but an environmental challenge or flipping on its head where it's like okay the only way i can survive the next thing is if i have this neuroplasticity effect or I have this other effect. So it's like you go to that village to say, hey, can you help me? Because I'm about to go fight a dragon and if you help me, I will not be afraid. I'll be able to negate the fear effects or I will be able to outthink the mind flayer. Or maybe you could even have a thing where it's like where I'm going to self-poison my brain so the mind flayer, when it attacks me, is poisoned uh, so that I have a temporary effect in my brain that causes the mind flare to be then be weakened. Like I can see a lot of different ways that you could use that maybe outside the rules or like with some very liberal bending of the rules. Uh, but once again, I feel like I keep talking over Chris. Chris, do you have any thoughts here about mushroom uh, or mushroom uses in the game? I, I've never used them. Um, you know, my, my first thought with kind of playing with the D&D thing is you could use these mushroom guys almost like guardians of like a, a, a grove and they hit you with those spores that you hallucinate and during those hallucinations i think it'd be fun if the dm basically put your character through some sort of test where based on the results and how the outcome is in that hallucination the forest spirit whatever you know allows you to enter the grove or tells you to go away mm-hmm I think it'd be kind of a, a neat little play on things. And I mean, you could make it a, a horror thing. You could make it a fantasy thing, whatever hallucinations you want to do with them. I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, I, I kind of like the idea though, of also flipping it more towards the horror and that, you know, these creatures are, you know, it's a dying species and they're out here trying to, you know, keep their population alive by infecting other people. I mean, you could definitely yeah. turn the last of us into a D and D style campaign, you know, See, I haven't, I haven't watched it or played the game, so I don't know yeah. the plot. It's basically a zombie apocalypse, except 
instead of being dead, you're being controlled by this mushroom organism that all it wants to do is repopulate itself. It's based on an actual scientific thing that happens with ants. Apparently, the, the according to the show and what I've read, the hmm. the mushroom would not survive inside a host of a human because our bodies run too hot. But the theory of the game is that with global warming, climate change, those mushrooms might adapt to living in a warmer climate. And if they get to the point where they can survive warm enough, then they would be able to survive in a human host. And then humans, once we became infected, it would spread across the globe so quickly that it would be like a, basically a zombie apocalypse. Interesting. And uh, it's 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 based off of the 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 real world cordyceps. Their uh, reproductive uh, tract requires uh, specific things, and they sort of pilot these zombie insects in order to meet those requirements. Like you will have an ant infected with cordyceps that with no control of its own it it has no say in this it now wants to climb as high as it possibly can on a piece of grass because it is necessary for that ant to be eaten by an animal that will then defecate those spores into manure because that's how the mm -hmm. the fruiting bodies come up and that's how it continues to propagate itself with spores and things like that uh so the the sort of idea of the last of us is that those those same things can now do that to humans. Yeah. So you have, not only do you have like a zombie style plague, but you also have the horror of being piloted against your control because unlike a zombie, you're still alive, at least at first, but you are no longer in control of your bodily functions. You are watching through your eyes until you eventually are going to die. I'm assuming like starvation. Some, but even then your body will still be piloted, whether that's the actual science, I don't know. But I mean, that's a truly horrifying thing. I think that's why the game works mm -hmm. so well is it's a horrifying, whether you are part of the apocalypse or you're experiencing it, it's terrifying and horrifying, but you could easily do that in a D and D thing where these machinids are like, you know what? Screw you guys. We're going to take over the world. And then you have, you know, again, these zombie style NPCs that are being controlled by this fungus and now you're dealing with like truly like a zombie apocalypse in D and D run by Mikeanoids. That'd be a pretty cool campaign. It's it's also a really good way to have a to have a change of pace game to sneak a to sneak sort of a one shot into your campaign. And if you say, "Man, I really I didn't I didn't have time to write what I needed to write this week," um, well, what if I just make all of my players trip? on mushrooms and we play in their like collective hallucination. Yep. Uh, right. And then that way you can, you can have a, you can add a lot of levity to it. You can add a lot of horror to it. You can, you can definitely make it terrifying. Um, I, I think that there's just a lot of room to play within it. There's an X-Files episode where that happens too. Um, but yeah, again, they would be like the, the, the interesting travel. Like we have to go take seven days to get from here to there. What is, one interesting encounter is that everyone trips balls for a night. And again, you have this semi dream state, kind of like what Chris was saying, almost like a, 
uh, a spirit walking moment where maybe the forest judges you based off of what you do in this mm-hmm. collective hallucination. Are you kind to one another? Are you violent to one another? Like, you know, what what natural things come out of you in this moment that maybe you would have kept hidden? It's like, you know, uh, inhibitions are, are let down. You could go in a lot of places with it, but it could also just be really fun and silly. Like you don't have, it could be pink rainbows and farting unicorns, uh, for, you know, and you just have a, a really fun, silly session. And then the next day you're back into doing the D&D stuff or whatever the case may be. And as someone who doesn't partake, maybe you do. Maybe your entire group, I'm not saying you trip balls, but maybe you imbibe uh, in that particular session if that's what you're into. That could be kind of an interesting thing, I think. I don't know. Somebody that's done that can let us know. Yeah. Again, call action list. Uh, from 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 my own hallucination experience, if somebody had asked me to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons, I I think that I would have told them to leave my home. Could <laughs> <laughs> have been the most unique game you've ever played. <laughs> Who knows? Potential. But yeah, so again, anyone who's listening, again, if you have ever done that, have you ever gotten high and played a game about characters being high? I love to hear it. You can email the show, small or small of guess. That's my other one. The RPG Academy at gmail.com. Um, and also, if you have ever had any interesting encounters with myconoids or any sort of fungal creature, homebrew, that kind of thing, I'd love to hear it as well. Email us, the RPG Academy at gmail.com. Um, I, th- I definitely, th- I, the last thing I was thinking of, almost like a Ravenloft situation, is you could have a thing where maybe the characters get transported into another dimension or another realm where that has happened. So you can have that experience of dealing with a zombie apocalypse style microwave attack, but it doesn't make your game a zombie apocalypse game that you then have to, you know, that's the only thing that happens. It could be like, this is a view of what could happen. So maybe that's part of that too. Maybe your hallucination is living through the zombie apocalypse version so that when you come back to your senses, you have to stop a thing or do a thing or be nice to a thing so that you don't cause that to happen. I like that element, too, because not everybody wants to play. In the, and I keep using zombie apocalypse. It's it's shorthand for the type of, you know, yeah. world ending situation. It's not exactly what it is. But you you may not want to play a full campaign, but it could be fun, like just like Ravenloft. Like you get transported to a place where that is what's happening. You have to survive it. But then you get to go back with that knowledge into your world, and what do you do with that information? Does it change you? Does it change anything how you would interact with other people or, you know, that kind of thing? I think that could be a fun and interesting diversion as well. Yeah. All right. So with that, we will move into our final section. I will once again change our little graphic here. So now audience Q&A is highlighted. We do have a few people who are watching. Uh, Skip was with us earlier. I don't know if he's still around. Uh, Basically, this is the part of the show where if you have any questions for us, either individually or as a group, feel free to drop them into chat. Uh, I know there's a little bit of a delay, so we like to take a few moments and kind of go around the horn once again. You can give us your socials. If there's anything you want to plug, email specifically, now's the time. Please feel free. Yeah, sure. Uh, like I said, uh, I've, I've been a performer my entire life, and two of the most publicly facing ways that you can find me if you are not in the Washington, D.C. area uh, is Lafresia Chronicles. You can find them on Twitter at Lafresia Audio or just search Lafresia Chronicles anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and welcome to Reddington, the Audioverse Award winner for Best New Improvised Show. Uh, that's welcome to Reddington on uh Twitter. If you search that, you'll find them and welcome to Reddington and all of your podcast stuff. Um, I, I really love both shows a lot. Like I said, with LaFrieger Chronicles, we're a little past midway of the second season. Uh, 
it, it, I recorded it so long ago that now even I am um, surprised by what the episodes look and sound like. And I was always going to be surprised anyway. Our sound design team is excellent. Our writers are great. And all of our performers are really, really top notch. Um, nice. But yeah, look, look for any of that stuff. And if you are in the DC area, hopefully I'll be able to see you at the Silver Spring stage this autumn for the One Act Play Festival. That would be very cool. And uh, just a reminder, as always, there will be links in the show notes to all the things that we talk about to make it easy for you to find if you're looking for ML or any of the things that they, they were a part of. Uh, Chris, what about you, sir? Uh, Twitter, Berlu underscore Chris, if you want to just chit chat. I'm not the most active on there, but I do check it every now and then. Um, or uh, you can catch me right here uh, every other Thursday doing some Dragonlance. Uh, tomorrow's our fifth, sixth session. I can't remember. Uh, they're getting into some of the interesting stuff. Okay, so you're playing through the recently released Watsi fifth edition yep. campaign guide. Yep. So you're, I'm, I'm sure you're adding some of your own stuff as a Dragonlance fan, but uh, how would like, would you For say sure. you're 10% through the book, 20%? Where do you think you're at? Uh, maybe 10, 20% okay. somewhere in there. I, I'm purposely not reading ahead. Mm -hmm. I'm purposely only reading enough that I think I've got prep for that session because I want to be surprised with how the story grows and how it's working with the group. I've definitely changed quite a bit of it. And they've got a lot of random and things that happen <laughs> during combat. That's like, oh, initiative zero, roll a D6 and this happens. And oh, interesting. It didn't fit with the scene when I read through it. So I was like, well, we're not gonna do that. We're just gonna give the boss 10 extra hit points mm. to kind of balance it out. So I've done some of that. I've changed some other things just to fit with what the story's going and how it's growing, you know, kind of adding my own little twist to it. Uh, they've done a great job with throwing in the Dragonlance lore already. I've just been kind of following a lot of their little breadcrumbs and following their story along. Right. Uh, I'm, I've been very, very surprised and very happy with how the story's going. So yeah, definitely when, when, when you're all done, we'll have to do like a recap debrief episode and talk about what you changed and what you liked and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The first two episodes were a little slow as, you know, players were trying to figure out their characters a little bit, but episode three, they figured it out and when we took off from there. So working on editing it down so we can release it as a podcast. I want to get, sounds crazy, but I want to get eight episodes ahead. So I've got a buffer in case life happens and I can't get to editing. Yeah. I know how that goes. So for um, anybody that's thinking about doing a podcast. Learn to edit, yeah. learn to love it, because you're going to spend more time doing that than you are playing the game. You'll be able to look at form waves, waveforms, and pick out ums, trust me. Mm -hmm. um, so Skip did jump in, didn't have a question, but just said ML, very entertaining tonight, uh, and they preferred the 8 o'clock start time, because again, we're, me, Chris and I are old men, and we'd like to go to bed. Uh, but yeah, if you have a question, now's the time. Uh, for me, quickly, I'll say that Action 12 Cinema, again, I'm, I'm getting really close to getting the writing done then i'll go into final professional editing then i'll go into layout and then printing so we're, st we're still on pace to be done within the time frame but actually i'm hoping to be ahead of that that was kind of my goal the whole time uh, but you can now pre-order the book that is the one big change so if you go to our website the rpg academy uh, rpg.com the rpg.com slash action 12 cinema and there'll be links in the show notes you can buy a copy of the pdf or the book, you will immediately get the current version right now. So the same version that the Kickstarter backers got, you will get immediately. And then as I do updates, you will get that up to and including the final version. So when you get it right now, it's really ugly. 
And, you know, I've already changed a few things, but that's the version you'll get. And then as it goes through the process, you'll get, get it updated. Um, and then just very quickly, I started a new podcast for work organization I'm part of called the Healthy Minds Alliance podcast. And this is a short form interview podcast every week with volunteers who are working in local communities to raise mental health awareness and education, uh, primarily through um, youth mental health or adult mental health first aid. It's the same thing I teach through my AmeriCorps service. It's a very tiny podcast. It's very niche, but it's like a really dose of positivity. So it's like 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops, uh, interviewing someone who's actively working in their community to make mental health awareness and education come alive. And I'm very proud of it. So if anybody out there, even if you don't want to listen, if you throw it a, a, a like on Facebook or up, you know, vote on it, give it a review to help other people find it. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, so no questions came in, but we have one question we ask every guest. So if we don't have anybody come up between now and then we'll end on this one. ML, imagine you were being turned into a action figure, not not physically transformed yourself, but they're going to make an action figure in your likeness. What are the three accessories that are going to come with your package? Well, if they're going to, they're going to make me into an action figure, I think that I need to uh, really put their working boots on. So I would like a, uh, an, an action figure sized uh, copy of the complete works of William Shakespeare that actually has all the text written in oh, it. Oh, wow. Uh, so that if you have a powerful enough microscope, you will be able to read Hamlet. That is uh, impressive. I would say this probably be a QR code, but you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I definitely need to, uh, I need to put a dog in there. Uh, mm -hmm. so I will choose, uh, my, my oldest girl, not Meg, uh, my, my young boy. Uh, nobody needs somebody that rowdy, even in plastic. Uh, and the third and final thing, uh, let's just have a really, uh, a really nice, uh, small skillet. Uh, and if possible, I would like that made out of metal. So you could cook <laughs> a very tiny burrito for say a hamster. I love it. So Shakespeare, a puppy dog and a iron ca a cast iron skillet. I mean, I think that's very fitting. I would want to buy that action figure. Uh, so ML, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. I really had a pleasure getting to talk to you, getting to meet you even more than before. I really hope some people will check out some of the projects that you're a part of. Uh, once again, there will be links in the show notes to all the things we talked about and more. Uh, Chris, any final words before we go? Just how we always end everything. If you're having fun. You're doing it right. Doing it right. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Good Goodbye. Bang!